Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean-Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. How do you sell an idea that's so new, so innovative, that no one really understands it? Etsy set up six months after us. People didn't really still like putting their credit card details into a shopping portal. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, you know, before Instagram, before social media. This is an invitation to meet Holly Tucker, founder of Not on the High Street and small business advice company Holly & Co. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking to investors or if you're talking to the post office and trying to get a better deal to send your packages. You have to be a brilliant storyteller. So here's a story about storytelling. And when we meet Holly at her office and shop in Twickenham, she has some incredible tales to tell. This is the age of for the women entrepreneurs. It's the age of the female entrepreneur. This is our time. I'm David Marsland from The Evening Standard. It's good to see you. Shall we begin? So obviously, Holly, you've got a well-known story, not on the high street, started there at your kitchen table. But given everything that's happening today and all the difficulties of the last couple of years, for someone about to start their own story, their own business, can what you did be done today? Yes, 100%. It can still be done. Of course, at any point someone starts something, there is a unique set of circumstances and environment that you set up your business in. For Not On The High Street, we were one of the first marketplaces, I would say, in the world after eBay and Amazon. I used to forget what year I was in because I basically had myself firmly planted in the future which meant that, you know, whatever we were navigating today, tomorrow, whatever nightmare was going to be presented, which is the reality of starting a company, it's 90% um, (laughs) not glamorous and not what you put on Instagram and only 10% what you would share. But because you have yourself firmly planted in the future, I almost call it like an anchor. And And then you hold that sort of rope and you step back to today. And as long as you've got your arms firmly around that rope, then I feel that anything is possible because you have basically created a virtual path to your vision. And I I think this is the power. The power is in the founder. The power is in the Duracell battery of that business. It's like a mother lion. It never gives up. And that is something incredibly unique. And it's formidable. You know, try going up against that. It's why founders 
tend to not see anything really as an issue. It's just something to overcome. And so I would say with that mindset and that loyalty to an idea and and strength of character, that's really what you need to make something go from a kitchen table into a household brand. Looking at Not On The High Street, was that a tech company as well as a marketplace? Because like you said, Etsy didn't come till six months later. Amazon had only just started. You were doing things that nobody had done before. Yeah, we were. And it was only in the latter stages where we were called a tech company. I'm not a business or a founder who was interested really in creating technical companies. What I'm interested in is creating unique businesses that connect people. That's something, a passion of mine. Solving, like all founders, just solving an issue, solving a problem. And tech allows you to do that. That is just one of your tools. And so I think what can happen is being caught in a sort of tech arms race or becoming a tech business. And actually, then it becomes everything. And suddenly your customer becomes on the sidelined and your creativity is sidelined. And actually, it's all about the tech. And so I do feel that in a, if you're not literally a technical business, okay, if you're in the consumer world, if you're in the retail world, it tech needs to fall in line with other departments. So if you are the first or one of the first going into an area, does that make it harder to get things like funding, to get backing? Because people may not understand what you're trying to do. I mean, how how do you explain your vision and get somebody to put money behind it? As an entrepreneur founder, you have to be an absolutely fantastic storyteller. We get caught up with elevator pitches and all these sorts of things. But ultimately, your enthusiasm is one of the most key attributes or tools that you need as a founder. And so, you know, yes, going into an unknown, um, when we first spoke to banks, well, they'd never heard of a marketplace. They'd actually not really spoken about entrepreneurship. You know, this is, and this is going, (laughs) this is looking like it's in the stone ages, but this was actually only 16 years ago. So yes, certain groups of people, it was very, very difficult to put that idea across. But then on the other side, a lot of people get very excited with never been done before, whether it's the chasing of the unicorn, whatever it is, you know, there are certain people who are absolutely looking to back something truly exciting. And so you've got, you know, you've got to balance that. But the thing that connects both of those situations is storytelling. That is the job of a founder and an entrepreneur is to slightly like a chameleon, look at your audience, who you're speaking to and adapt that story so that it connects with that individual. And let's remember the power of a story. It's how we as humans connect. It's what allows information to travel. There is the strength of a story is far more powerful than anything like PR this can spread like wildfire. And so it's one of the things that people should practice if they're not good storytellers. Really, you know, bore your friends and family absolutely senseless. Keep telling them the same stories. What little part of the story really gets someone going? Is it emotional? Is it, has it got its highs and lows? And so that that is something that I found over the last 20 years. I have 
definitely worked as a skill, worked that muscle and now have it as a skill. Yeah, every good story has to have that little bit of adversity in there. There has to be a bit of drama. Was there a low point for you at Not On The High Street? And I guess more importantly, what made you not walk away? I think that when you build a business, there are many, many more lows than there are highs. Actually, it's just a daily stream of lows. And that is not unique to anybody building a business. That's for all of us. I've got a podcast called Conversations of Inspiration. I've interviewed 135 founders of well-known brands across our country. There is not one of those founders who have not literally been brought to their knees by their business. So this is something that you've got to be prepared for. Um, It is a school of hard knocks. But on saying that, when we talk about the anchor and we talk about that vision, when you're able to visualise really the power of what you're building, that for me is what gets you out of bed. On top of that, personally, what I've built in Not in the High Street and my current business, Holly & Co., is community. I have built basically an ability for a lot of people to connect and travel on the same journey together. When you do something like that, then ultimately you become the person driving the business, but you really work for them. You know, you have an obligation to them. You are creating something that they now need in order to succeed in their lives and their dreams. And it's that purpose. We talk a lot about purpose, don't we now? The purpose of your organisation, it needs to be far greater than yourself, far greater than the utilitarian nature of your company. That's what gets you out of bed. So if your business hasn't got that beating heart at the moment, put one in it, because actually that is what keeps you going, you know, and and of course, it's those few high moments in a, you know, you win a pitch or your website launches or you get that first big order or whatever it is. But ultimately, there needs to be a hum of purpose in your every day. And that is your sort of, that that is what keeps you going. You mentioned Holly & Co there, which is your new company. Now, like you were talking about, 16 years ago, the landscape for entrepreneurs, the support there didn't really exist. Tell me about what Holly & Co does and is it trying to fill that gap? Yes, Holly & Co is the home of small businesses. I had this amazing bird's eye point of view at Not In The High Street. You can imagine 5,000 small businesses over 15 years watching people build from the kitchen table or the shed. And then each year I would meet somebody, you would watch their peacock feathers, you know, bloom because they'd moved into a warehouse. Their orders had hit over £10,000, 100000 a million. Whatever those numbers were, they were creatively fulfilled When I looked, though, at the ecosystem that they were within, really, how were they being stimulated? How were they getting true advice, advice from somebody maybe that had been there and done it before that was willing to be vulnerable? Was there inspiration on tap for them that they could delve into at any point in time that they felt that they needed that kickstart in in, in dreaming about another product range or the next year, etc, etc. So what I did is I took inspiration from Mr Cadbury and thought of it, you know, if I needed to build a village, you know, that this 
person virtually would live in? What would it be? And so I knew that you had to maybe um, be able to listen to proper soulful business stories, not tech stories like Desert Island Disc, but for business. I knew that you needed to um, hear from me probably every single day about the highs and lows of building Holly & Co. I needed, knew that you needed to be able to read advice and inspiration. I knew that you needed to come to events that weren't in a hotel room, you know, with a beer, but basically they were for um, majority of our platform is for women and not designed that way it just so happens but have events in churches have eight hours of back-to-back inspiration have gospel choirs incredible speakers you know there there was a world that they were operating in and they were full of color but the business world seemed to still be gray And so what I wanted to do is create something that was uniquely for those starting, those dreaming, small businesses, ultimately the backbone of our country, and create a very, very colourful existence for them to operate in. A lot of what Holly & Co does is campaigning, getting people out there, lots of public messaging. Do you feel like people... I guess, do they understand the small business world or the importance of keeping the local bakery running instead of always going to the supermarket? Is that the reason behind the campaigning? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I thought about with Holly & Co is as much as we were building the landscape, we need to join the vision and the beliefs and the values of our community. And so that is why twice a year we have something called Campaign Shop Independent, And that happens during the summer months uh, where notoriously it's quieter for small businesses and also at Christmas time where we know it's so vitally important. You know, one Christmas can take down a small business. Last year, we launched Colour Friday, which is on exactly the same day as Black Friday, but it's actually a day that represents small businesses. And so rather than us vacuously shopping with Black Friday, which is pretty outdated, we need to actually turn and vote with our money and shop with small businesses. What that does, though, is it connects everybody together. It allows people to talk about what it's like to run a small business, what it means to vote with your money, how the high street needs to keep going with independence. What would you do really if a high street didn't have any small businesses on it? You talked about colour there. I think that's really interesting, that contrast between Black Friday and Colour Friday, because business is colourful. It's exciting, isn't it? And the first thing we would lose if we lost all those independent places is actually the colour that they bring. All those shops trying to bring you in with those beautiful window displays and shop front decorations. That's what we risk losing. Absolutely. You know, when I started Holly & Co, I explained that we want to bring colour to grey. And that is what we're doing within not only the way we look at business, how we uh, amplify building a business, as in, you know, are we doing a great job at the moment when you think about what we watch on TV, actually making it feel as if it's possible for anybody sitting on that sofa? Probably not. And actually, what the, the, the truth of it and why my business book, Do What You Love, Love What You Do, is colour um and i had to persuade the publishers that it had to be colour oh that's expensive holly yes it is but you know it was so important we've got to reframe what business is 
ultimately, if you aren't building a business to sell at the end, if you want to build a business, which we now call a good life business, not a lifestyle business, that's very out of date, a good life business. We talk about mindfulness, don't we? We talk about time with our family. A lot of people at the moment have experienced working from home. Maybe you've seen your children more than you've ever seen them. A lot of people, such as the great resignation, right, are choosing to change the way that they are going to live. And they will maybe want to, and we've looked at numbers, you know, last June, I think was on record, the largest amount of small businesses that were created ever on record. People are looking to change the way that they work. And we call them good life businesses, where they balance being highly ambitious, absolutely wanting to drive and build a brand, um, but also with their family, with their mental health, with their life. And this is what we're going to see more and more. And this small business community is almost leading the way. They're bringing colour to our high streets. They're bringing colour to their lives. They're inspiring the next generation. And, you know, it, it's it's quite um, an unbelievable thing to watch. And we're going to see more and more of this as, as we go on in the future. It's time for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Holly about opportunities and challenges for women entrepreneurs and get some of her top tips for what to do in the earliest days of starting a business. For more of that, why not go and see Holly at the Evening Standards SME Expo event where she'll be talking about taking a business from the kitchen table to a household brand. There are lots of other speakers over two days at Olympia London on May 25th and 26th. Tickets are free. Go to smexpo.co.uk for more info. Back in a sec. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection blue nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price go to blue today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping blue nile the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Something that I wanted to pick up with you that you mentioned earlier is that with Holly & Co, you're mostly working with female entrepreneurs. I think That's really interesting because I know that you've spoken before about how only 1% of venture capital investment goes to women. Is that changing? Uh, I don't think so, no. I mean, it's still 1% and it was... Can you imagine what it was 16 years ago when Sophie and I were raising our first round? 
I don't think that that's changing. And ultimately, potentially the conversation, you know, I work with Nat West and with Alison Rose and she did the Alison Rose report and talking about the difference between men and women starting businesses. Um, and if women started businesses at the same rate as men, it would pump £85 billion into our economy over the next four years. This is incredible, but women for various reasons, are not as confident to go for capital in that sort of growth stage, going from startup into building bigger businesses. But maybe they don't even want to. That's the other thing. You know, it's, it's, we can look at the data, can't we? But actually, the context of that, is it that we will have a surge of very, very hardworking women who are building micro businesses or small businesses that are highly ambitious, doing incredibly well, have purpose in their companies, but also they get to spend time with their children. They're not pulled in every single direction. And actually, they have carved out a life that maybe they want to lead. So I think, you know, it's, of course, nothing should stop women in any way. But there is another way of looking at it that a lot of the women that I work with are building brilliant businesses but potentially they're not looking to go and float that company. That is the difference. But if a woman is looking to do something bigger in business and there have been historically barriers to them getting venture capital, and if that has to change, then is now, oddly enough, a good time for women to get into business. It's always a good time for women to get into business. And, and you know, and the, the point is, is that when we're looking at the culture of our country of our world we understand how much more connected we are we understand that we're speaking about equality we're speaking about mindfulness we're speaking about mental health all of these sorts of things we're speaking about purpose we're speaking about planet we're talking about building b corps but ultimately when we look at the landscape we look at what consumers are looking for how they're looking to be connected this really plays into a lot of the skills that women naturally have, the empathy that they naturally have, the ability to connect, the ability to communicate. And when we actually think that, you know, 90% of the household income is spent by the female CEOs of the house, um, that is the woman, you know, this is an unbelievable moment for women to connect with that woman at home, for her to inspire her to make different purchasing decisions. And that is what we're seeing. I think it's going to be an, an incredible moment in time to see what women are building and how they're connecting. And actually, you know, big businesses will be taking a lot of inspiration if they're able to. I think one of the things that we saw during lockdown, sort of a level playing field came about you know you had big businesses also really not knowing what they were going to do but the difference is small businesses had that a chameleon ability they were nimble they were able to pivot whereas the bigger businesses found that very difficult so just as we're coming to the end here can i get some secrets for success out of you let's say i've come up with a great business idea i spent six days coming up with a logo a month thinking about my name at my kitchen table but what's the first 
practical step I should be making? The, the, normally what happens is the first step is the procrastination for an endless period of time to start a business. And I always say it's like having a child. There is never a good moment to have a child. You know, you're never going to earn enough, never going to have a big enough place to put them in, to have enough time, all these sorts of things. So the first thing is, is that starting a business should just be a mental note. It should just be a moment in time where you say, Today, I'm going to start my business. As you said, it's, um, you know, the logo and the doodles and the what you're going to call it and finding your URL and is it taken, all those fun things. And then I would say that there is a notion, which is there is no need for a business plan. You just need to have a plan. Um, we get stuck, don't we, in the fact that we need a absolutely comprehensive, defendable 30-page business plan Actually, yes, you do need a business plan if you're going to go and raise funding. But really, another thing that would work is having a plan, understanding today is the day I start. Where do I want to get to by the end of the week? Where would I like to get to by the end of the month, by the end of the year? And working backwards. I'm a big fan of the post-it notes. It's um, under, you know, getting a blank board and absolutely writing every element that I might need to do that day, that week, and absolutely feeling satisfaction as you scrumple up that post-it note. You have put distance between starting and where you find yourself at the end of that week. That is building a business. You know, when I built, you know, countless business plans, but ultimately they're out of date by the time you've written them. Because the anyone who's built a business knows that, yes, you can. And of course, it's all about planning. It's all about your P&L. It's all about cash, all those sorts of things. But you can't predict really what's going to happen. What you can do, though, is know what you know, know what you don't know, go and seek the advice and the counsel of what you don't understand. Try and bring that into your business and just put one foot in front of the other. Know the direction, put your anchor in the future and give yourself some milestones and and get going. And I think that by taking some of these barriers away, such as the, you know, this this perfect business plan, it helps people just get moving. And just finally, you said that you've always got one foot in the future, Holly. So what does the future look like? What's exciting you right now? What's exciting me is how I build a business that attracts and excites people who aren't in a business, they haven't built a business, and that they are dreamers. So how do I connect with those who don't even realise that they want to start a business, which is, of course, a far greater pool than than those who have taken the leap already. And I think that that's what's interesting. I think that we think about business in quite a narrow sense. When you run a business, it's 360 of your life. It's every single waking hour. And also, it bleeds into everything you do. You know, the way that you look, where you live, how you educate your children, how you conduct yourself, the way that you go about building your values within your family. So I'm very interested about what are the other bits that we haven't tapped into ever, which would then stimulate women and men 
to start businesses, to go for it, to stop procrastinating, to change their lives, to understand that we have 29,000 days on this planet and we deserve to be happy and fulfilled. And so that's why, you know, I've said that I'm going to retire at 90 years old. So it means that I've, you know, some would say I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, been in this for long enough. I'm like, well, I've still got another, yeah, 35 years to go. So actually I've just begun. And so that's what it's, what's exciting me at the moment. So just after we finished recording, Holly sent me an email asking me to point out that she's got 45 years to go until she's 90, not 35. Was obviously feeling older than I am this morning, she said. But maybe that's just what happens when you're always looking 10 years ahead. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Let's meet up again. We're around first thing every Monday morning, but you can drop in whenever's best for you. Hit your subscribe or follow button and you'll never miss a show. This has been an invitation to meet and as always, it's been a pleasure to meet you. 